104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Yep, here we are again in the studio on a beautiful, beautiful Saturday afternoon as we get set for some football action. Our second preseason game gets underway a little bit after 3 o'clock this afternoon. Kansas City Chiefs, this time really from Arrowhead, They'll be taking on the Commanders, and I cannot wait. I am joined in the studio by Ned Reynolds. Ned, how are you this morning? Doing just great. It's afternoon, I guess it's I should say. Afternoon. afternoon. After, is it afternoon or is it morning? No, it's afternoon. Where are we at? We are shortly I'm not sure. after 1 o'clock. For those of you scoring at home, that's my first mistake. <laughs> John Oliver is with us. John, how are you today? I'm doing well. They found me in the well finally, so oh, I'm back. Yeah. Lassie, Lassie and Timmy dug John that's out right. of the well, and he's here for the show today, so that's good. Yeah. And what about you, Josh Roberts? How are you? Are you that John Oliver? <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm doing great. It's good to see everybody, including this guy sitting next to me that I had forgotten existed. We're taking up a collection for Josh so that he can get a new hat, not wear a hat of a former employer. Yeah, please. Yeah, I please. Need a new Alabama something, needs, hat. something needs to happen there. It just doesn't look right. I know. So we had our first game last week. Mm-hmm. Chiefs and the Chicago Bears. It was a loss, but virtually meaningless. What was your takeaway from the game, Ned? I had a couple of them. Number one was I thought the offense proved itself. I really feel like had that been a regular season game, the Chiefs would have won probably 37-17 to 17 or 37-10 to 10 or something like that. Although, having said that, I did watch the Bears play Seattle the other night, and Chicago is getting better. They do have some pretty good talent on their ball club. But... As far as the first game was concerned, I thought the Chiefs played well on offense. First unit is intact and ready to go. Do need some help on defense. Uh, the defensive line, Karloftis did a good job, got in there. The kid from Wisconsin, was ab- the Chennault kid, was absolutely sensational. Really pleased with him. Did think that there were some liabilities in the defensive backfield. Chicago was able to throw the ball on some of the Chiefs. Now, again, these are reserves. And those things are going to happen. But you still have to bring that unit together. And and I think probably we'll see a little bit more of that today. In fact, Andy Reid has said that the first unit's going to play for a full half today. That that will make a big difference. Do you take anything away from the Chiefs' defense not playing so well because the first unit didn't really play that much in the game. Well, that's part of it. Most of it, uh, I think you can attribute to the fact that it's game one and bringing in a lot of uh, new talent. The Karloftis kid is very young, but he's going to get a whole lot better. The youth factor and the non-unity factor, they've only been in practice camp for a short time. Once this team gets together and once they get down to the 53, then I think you'll see a championship level, not predicting championships, but a championship level ball club. Do you think unity on the defensive side or offensive side is more important? Defensive. I I agree with that. And one of the things, especially, and I might even put a little asterisk next to that and say, I think for the Chiefs, especially because that unit seems to progressively get better as the season goes along, Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm not too I'm, I'm not too concerned about the Chiefs' defense not looking united at this point. No, no, and you you can't be concerned about anything at this point unless there are some significant injuries because you're still intermixing with a lot of players. After let's see, their next cut is next Tuesday, and they get down to 80. 
Well, you still have to get down to 53. That's a lot of players yeah. who are being tested, so you can't really make any any judgment. Any thoughts on what you saw from the offense and Patrick Mahomes? I mean, the, all the news stories were six completions, six different receivers. What did mm-hmm. you think? Six, six or seven. He went right down the field and scored. You can't make any judgment from that other than, hey, this unit's together, and they're yeah. pretty good, and they're not missing anybody at all. Well, Again, the length of the season is going to show whether or not Tyreek Hill's absence is of great significance. You do have Juju Smith-Schuster in there. You have the uh, Scantling kid from the Green Bay Packers in there. You have Sky Moore, who has outstanding speed, You do, and Hardman, McCole Hardman. You have these people in there who are quality receivers. They aren't Tyreek Hill, but they are quality individuals who can hang on to those passes that Mahomes is going to throw. How much they miss Hill? Won't know that until the end of the season. Well, let me ask you this really quickly, too, because a lot's been made of Tyreek Hill not being made on the team. Of course, it's it's that's natural. It's a huge story. He is a generational wide receiver. But do you feel like the Chiefs are actually deeper without him, though? They are probably deeper, but are they any better? Yeah, there's, that's there's the, the question. real question. We can't answer that question. John, your thoughts on the game last week? Uh, a lot of the same thing. I and mean, We don't bring him up a lot, but this is the second year I've been really impressed with Bushell. Uh, he did a really good job, I thought. It's nice to know that he's there in the hopper in case something happens to Henny. You know, I feel confident with him as a backup, you know, for a week or I two. I think he's a good player. Yeah, I do too. I think he's very underrated. We're lucky to have him. Um, you mentioned Sky Moore. That kid just impresses me more and more the more I see him play. He really is so quick, and he seems to really get the offense already. So for a young kid like that to come in, I'm super impressed. Carl Aftis looked like a veteran to me. So I thought he probably would. I was very, very high when we drafted him. You couldn't have told me he was a rookie by the way he acted, performed out there. So I think there's a lot of positives. I will say on the other side of the ball – Justin Fields looked really good as well. And I've been kind of down on him last year. I didn't really think he would pan out. I'm starting to see some spark from him. And I think the Bears may be much improved due to that. He he has. You know, Fields has a lot of ability to him. And I've watched those games for other reasons. Because we have a kid from this area who's trying to make it on the team number 47. And I really want him to be there. This is Chase Allen from mm-hmm. Nixa. That's Terry Allen's son. Yep. And he's still with him. He played in the Seattle game, and you're watching now. He was second team, and he also played special teams. But he gets in there, and he's a big old boy. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this is not a Chicago Bears show, okay? It's a Kansas City Chiefs show. Let's talk about Chiefs. Josh, what about you? Your thoughts on the game? Well, okay, so from the offensive perspective, uh, that first drive, the only bad play was the one they tried to do with Clyde Mm Edwards-Hilaire. So, I mean, he's the only black mark on the on that first offensive uh series for me because I'm not real high on that guy anyway like I've said many times defensively I I was impressed with what I saw I think Karloftis's speed was working to his advantage in that game so I know that you know we've talked about how he's not he hasn't bulked up enough yet but I I hope that he can do that and still maintain that speed because I think that'll be to his advantage but yeah I mean overall uh, the offense is the offense. As long as that offensive line holds up and they get rid of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and put somebody else in <laughs> that running back, I think they'll be fine. And then the defense, the defensive backfield is going to be the the worry all season. Mm-hmm. Well, you're still hearing the same names, you know, when you hear LeJarius Sneed and Juan Thornhill. When something bad happens, 
usually one of their names gets brought up. Mm-hmm. Somebody gets burned, there's a bad penalty, there's just a late hit, something like that. Those two guys seem to be involved in that. I really think, from my standpoint, it will be interesting to see if Justin Reed puts his stamp on this defense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because he is now in that role that Honey Badger was in last year. Mm-hmm. And is he the guy that's going to step up and lead that defense? What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think he is. He has a lot of ability. He is a Stanford kid. Mm-hmm. And playing the D-back and being able to be a versatile athlete comes in and does the kicking for them, for heaven's sake. Yeah, it's, that was crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> but this kid, yeah. he's also a former soccer player. Mm-hmm. And that's where he got a lot of his background. No, I think this kid's a good athlete and a very good addition. Now, if he can keep his head on and figure out the defensive backfield scheme of things, yeah, he can be the leader. He can be the Matthew back there, the honey badger. If anybody can. But again, it points out the fact that you have to have leadership at every single aspect of what you're doing. Offensive line, backfield, Mahomes is the backfield, of course, and the D-backs. Linebacker, D-backs. You have to have somebody there who is in control, who you can look up to, who can make those key decisions. And uh, this kid has the makings of being one of those individuals. Chiefs have a little problem as far as kick returning goes because they don't know who's going to do that job for them yet. McCole Hardman is listed in that top spot. Also, Trent McDuffie, who's a defensive player, is listed in that spot. And then Sky Moore, do they really want to risk him as a kick returner? Well, now how about Pacheco? Pacheco Yeah, that's something I wanted to ask you because we talked quite a bit about him last week. What what did you see from him in the game? I thought he showed a lot of strength. Mm -hmm. He showed a, a good lateral movement about him. Kind of prejudiced because he's a South Jersey guy. Yep. <laughs> my, my part of the country. He's Rutgers University. Uh-huh. And Rutgers doesn't have a great football background to them, although they are a Big Ten conference team. But this kid's from down in the farm regions of South Jersey, so he's got he's got to be pretty tough because he's had an agricultural background about him. Anything disturb you at all, John, when you watch the game? Nothing disturbing. It's too. It's hard to get out of sorts for the first preseason yeah. game, honestly. I just tried to really look at the positives, and I'm glad you brought up Pacheco because I was really impressed with him. That 35 or 34-yard, I think it was, return, I just like everything that kid does. And I know, Josh, you're down on Edwards Hilaire. Yep. I think Hilaire could really shock some people this year because I think competition is going to be really good on this team. You've got Jones, you've got Pacheco pushing, you've got Gore, you've got McKinnon, and then you've got Hilaire. I think Hilaire realizes it's put-up-or-shut-up time. So I'm hoping he has a good season. I'm not going to guarantee it, but (laughs) I think that competition aspect with Pacheco getting into the argument really, really helps him out. John, when it comes to cut-down time... Two of those individuals you mentioned, I think, are going to be gone. Yep. I would agree as well. You're listening to Ned Talk. It's your local live sports talk show. We are your pre-pregame show. At 2 o'clock, we will turn things over to Mitch Holtis, Art Haynes, Dan Israel, and Danan Hughes. And we'll get you set for the beginning of the Chiefs and the Commanders this afternoon. Still having trouble with that Commander's <laughs> name. Didn't like the other name, but... This one just doesn't roll off the tongue. Washington Commanders, they'll be playing them from Arrowhead this afternoon. We'll have all of it right here on 104.7 The Cave. Uh, Andy Reid has said that there's a possibility that the Chiefs could keep five running backs. Mm. But I'm looking at you, and and I've I, I known you long enough when your skeptical face comes on. Your skeptical face is on right now, and 
Let's talk about Ronald Jones. I think he's gone, in all honesty. He had four rushing attempts for one yard last week. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you can attribute that to, well, he didn't have the offensive line. And then probably didn't. But the good running backs make up for that. And I think Ron Jones, while he was an outstanding player at Southern Cal and had a good career with the Tampa Bay Bucks, I think that has probably left him. Mm-hmm. At least that's my viewpoint. What do you think? I think. Jones is gone. And I mean, I could see them trimming it a little further. I could see Gore going to the taxi squad. I would hope they hang on to him. Yeah, I would hope they hang on to him as well. He's versatile, but I could see them keeping Pacheco just because he's the hot hand. And then, of course, going with Hilaire and McKinnon. Let me get all your opinions here really quickly, because I, I really feel like that the way the Chiefs offense is set up, it is really dialed in for multiple running backs to come on Mm -hmm. each week and do little things that are impressive they're they're really not set up to have a guy like derrick henry on the team Mm -hmm. no so i mean i think that works to their advantage to have this whole slew of no-name guys sorry no-name guys out there carrying the ball oh joe i don't think there's no question about that that's not their offensive game plan Mm -hmm. and it has not been and it won't be with andy Reid as their head coach Mm -hmm. if that ever changed and some other, some other head coach came in who did have a powerful running game, then you would see those big power running backs in there. But, oh, no, that's not, that's not their philosophy. Could you imagine Patrick Mahomes with the Derrick Henry behind oh, him? Oh, God. <laughs> They'd be arguing constantly about who gets the ball. Pick, pick your poison. Pick, pick your, your poison. poison. So let's, let's turn to today's game. They'll play the Washington Commanders, which I, you know, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not following the teams outside the AFC West as much as I probably should have. But my guess is the Washington Commanders are probably in disarray even as the season begins. So what do you expect to see from the game today now? Well, they have they have injury problems. Mm-hmm. And the injury problems are rather significant. But Coach has said that uh, it, he'll, he'll try to play some of his regulars. He's not going to be able to match up with the Chiefs in terms of uh, the full squad, the full regular squad playing for a half. That that won't happen because they're too afraid of losing some of their key individuals. But uh, in terms of their QB, well, they have the North Dakota State kid in there, and he'll be, this is his third or fourth team now, mm-hmm. and he has got to prove himself somewhere along the line. This could be, this could be a, a, an interesting game. I think the Chiefs win this one rather handily, but over and above all that, Washington is not the not the Washington of the past in many respects, including their name. <laughs> <laughs> is Dexter Manley still playing for them? <laughs> no, uh, John Briggins. They wish John Briggins somewhere. John Briggins there somewhere. <laughs> He's up in the stands. So, what do you think? Does Prince Harry have a good year this year for the Washington Commanders? Does he even finish the year? <laughs> That's a good question. Here, here's the thing with the Commanders. Having been bad for this many years, they've got a lot of young talent. They've drafted well, but that's potential. So have I they really drafted well, though? I think they have overall. I mean, they're trying to address needs. And I think this game will be closer than most would think, just because it's a preseason game. And the Chiefs don't have as many position battles going on as Washington does. So I think there's more in it for Washington. This is why I just don't... 
the preseason games are the preseason games. They're reps to me. They're almost like practice. It's, I don't it, get been out of shape if anything bad happens in them other than injuries. It's not going to bother me at all if the Chiefs go and 3 I'm not, not going to push any, any alarm not, buttons no, at all. No. I mean, they played, you know, the first unit offense got in there, did what they needed to do, got off the field. Right. That's yeah. really what you wanted to see. And even today you talk about injuries. There's a lot on the Chiefs side right now is Juju Schuster-Smith is listed as being questionable. McCall mm-hmm. Hardiman is listed as being questionable. Blake Bell, uh, Jarek McKinnon, mm-hmm. Justin Ross. They, I don't even, he suddenly made <laughs> the roster. <laughs> Last week he was off the roster, but they've got him on IR this week. Yeah. Uh, Lucas Niang is questionable. Chris Jones is questionable. I think that's true of in, all in the, the case time. Of, in the case <laughs> of Jones, his is a back spasms that he's been having, and McCole Hardman's is a groin pull groin that happened injury. in practice. Mm-hmm. Now, those injuries are tough to overcome, and they're more nagging. They're chronic as opposed to uh, significant injuries. Niang hasn't played at all. He hasn't practiced at all. What's up with the Harrison Butker? He's listed as him. he's listed as questionable. It could huh. be it could be a cold. It could be the flu. Yeah. Trench foot. Trench foot. <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> it's really hard to determine. Yeah. And so we might see Chris, Justin Reed kicking today. Chris Jones, I think, has brain spasms, not back yeah. spasms. Chris well, he's an interesting character. He yeah. really is. Josh, he brought up Dexter Manley. This will be a deep cut. Ned will get this. They text them directions, but he just never showed up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> ah, poor Dexter. All right, so we've got the Chiefs and the Commanders. I'm trying to stay with that today because, uh, yeah, it just, like I said, it doesn't trip off. the. It sounds like almost like they're playing a USFL team. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. it does. This, this sounds like a, a name from uh, one of the adjunct leagues that is <laughs> yeah. maybe the Berlin Commanders or something. Right. Seven on seven. <laughs> but I think maybe one of the keys is how Washington is able to bring their offense. You have Carson Wentz, and he is, you know, he had quality. He had some good years yeah. with the Philadelphia Eagles. It took them to 11 games on their on their march to the Super Bowl. Didn't yeah. finish up because of injuries. But he really hasn't been the same since that injury. But yet teams are willing to take a chance. Indianapolis did. Now it's Washington that's going to give him a chance. He has something to prove. He may be in there for a while just to show the whole staff of the commanders and the team, hey, I'm your leader. I'm Mm -hmm. the one that you want to look to. I think he'll be in there at least until he gets hurt. Don't say that. Don't say that. Washington goes down. Walking out. Walking out on the field. Yeah. The Henneke kid is, is, they don't have much depth at that position. Henneke's about it. When we come back, we'll take a trip around the rest of the league and get Ned's opinions about some of the other teams in the NFL. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We're about 25 minutes away from the 35 minutes away. Second mistake, okay? If you're playing bingo at home, 35 minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show with our good friends up in Kansas City, Art Haynes, Dan Israel, Mitch Holtis, and Dana Hughes. Right here in your home for the Kansas City Chiefs in southwest Missouri, Mm -hmm. 104.7 The Cave. I am Joe Weston, joined by 
Josh Roberts, John Oliver, and Ned Reynolds, and we're talking sports. And I think I I should put in some dragnet music right here, <laughs> and we should call this portion of the show the police blotter. Yes. Dun, 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 dun. You'd have something every week. <laughs> the NFL is a wicked city, mm. and inside that wicked city, there's a guy that likes to get massages. Mm. His name is Deshaun Watson. So what happened with that this week, Ned? Well, it's all over now. He's been suspended for 11 games. <laughs> That's what he, he said. he has to pay a $5 million fine. Oh, I didn't know about the fine. Yeah, okay. yeah that's that's all part of the penalty. Chicken and it's, it's been accepted because this is a kind of collaborative deal between the National Football League and the Players Association. They came to an agreement. So the second arbitrator, whatever he was going to decide, is null and void. Doesn't make any okay. difference now. It, it's done. It's a final decision. <laughs> what I'm really interested in, I've heard no comment at all, is the initial judge, Judge Robinson, the young lady, the retired federal judge who made the initial six-game suspension. What did she think about this whole thing? And what was her point in even being there? It was going to be overruled. Well, over and above that, is the penalty significant? I really thought, in my opinion, judging from everything that was brought out, that he should sit out for a year. And the, the monetary thing, that's to be negotiated. But in terms of his Missing games, I felt a full-year penalty probably would have been the deal. Evidently, the National Football League Players Association has a lot of strength because this is this is a compromise. Mm-hmm. It's an understanding, hey, we need the guy in here. The Cleveland Browns need him to be competitive. So he's going to get, what, six games that he can play? Mm-hmm. But his 11-game yeah. suspension is without pay. That's right. So we'll we'll see. Of course, it's what what did he sign for? Two hundred and fifty million dollars or some ridiculous amount. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about this, John? You haven't been with us to go yeah. through this whole discussion. So let's hear your opinion. So this is another product of what I'm going to call the Wild West in sports, and I don't like the trend that's going. Punishments are fine, and I'm in no way. Please know I'm not condoning what Deshaun Watson does. He's a terrible human being. <laughs> But I guarantee he's not the only one doing that on pro rosters. Here's the thing, though. He got 11 games. Originally, it was six, as Ned said. And then I look at somebody like Calvin Ridley. Ridley did something stupid on DraftKings, an online betting site. Yes, he bet on his own team, but it's DraftKings. How much influence can you possibly have on that? And what did he get? Come on. What was his suspension? I believe it was eight games, Ned. Is that right? I think that was it. Eight yeah. in that vicinity. So only three less than someone who's been accused of sexual misconduct in many, many cases. By two dozen women. Yes. But again, the word accused is in there. Yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing. So again, I'm not defending the behavior, but Watson was fat or was settled. He wasn't convicted of this. Trevor Bauer is an example in Major League Baseball. It's not just the NFL. You know, he's still out right now. He's missed more than a year. Yet Marcelo Zuna, who has less brain cells than home runs this year, he got another DUI, and he only served 60 games for a domestic assault last year. Where's the difference? And what I find is it's players that are critical of the commissioner. And this is where I have the problem. There needs to be a neutral party that decides these. Goodell thinks he's sheriff of the NFL. Anybody that comes for him, be it Gruden, be it anybody else, is going to get the full punishment. Other guys, maybe not so much. Watson's been critical of Goodell. Same thing in Major League Baseball. Manfred's most outspoken critic because he had a social media platform to do it is Trevor Bauer. 
his punishment is not close to Starling Castro. It's not close to Marcelo Zuna. I'm tired of the justice being meted out unequally, essentially. Well, you also know that in baseball, I would point this out when it comes to Trevor Bauer, he is a wholly unlikable human being. Oh, absolutely. I and, despise him. And and his teammates will tell you that mm-hmm. too. And that is one of the reasons why the MLB, ML Players Association has not come to his aid right. at all. Yeah. They're like, yeah, let's, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised if when he's eligible to play again that he is actually picked up by a team. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's out of baseball permanently. But yeah. again, it's the differences in the punishment, the links, the severity of the offense. I think there needs to be an arbiter, some sort of impartial committee that decides these matters, not the commissioner but at this point. That's the problem. They did that for Deshaun Watson, and then the NFL was not satisfied with the <laughs> Correct. Result, so they just did their own thing anyway. Right, right Josh, you point out the great paradox that mm-hmm. exists there. Part of the agreement is that both sides can agree on an impartial arbitrator, and they agreed. They, judge Robinson was the lady's name, retired federal judge. Okay, she's in there, makes her judgment. <laughs> what she did, however, was make a mistake, in my opinion, in announcing why it was limited. Right. Mm-hmm. She said, I'm limiting this to six because the National Football League has a tendency to overreact to the public. Oh, God, what did she say? Mm-hmm. Oh, get her there out of here. There you go. Right. See, the, the, again, it's not equal justice under the law. It is a major understanding of who's in charge and who's not in charge, and don't forget that. I've got a friend that always says, know your audience. Exactly. So when a guy like Marcel Asuna gets a DUI, the audience is pretty small. Yeah. And then when Deshaun Watson goes through what he's been through and it got all the publicity that it's gotten. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that whole thing, the whole thing with Deshaun Watson still bothers me from start to finish. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you that I defend him or that he's a nice guy or that I think that he did. He didn't do this. Mm -hmm. But it's really funny that as long as the Houston Texans wanted him, none of this was mentioned. Exactly. But as soon as he starts to be like, well, we don't really want him around, they start, all this stuff starts to come out. And I found that really, really interesting as this whole soap opera played out with him. Well, you look at it in political terms. I mean, the president of the United States can't wake up one morning and say, annex Iowa. I'm done with them. So there are checks and balances, and that's what I'm asking for in sports. They need to be in place in situations like this. I thought that her, you know, after I I listened to you and Mike, and I'm pointing to Ned, by the way, listening to you and Mike (laughs) every morning, and when you talked about the the judge's original mediation for this or original sentencing for this, I guess you'd call it, I thought, well, that makes sense. I mean, she said six games because that's kind of what the NFL has meted out Mm -hmm. for these things. Mm -hmm. Right. They set the precedent for it. So I can't just give him a whole year suspension because I feel like it or I think that it 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 does. It's meets a new heinous level. I have to kind of go by what you have done as a organization, as a group. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably right, and that's what she based her decision on. And but she, in 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 justifying what she said, she made that one critical remark about yeah. the NFL. And the NFL doesn't. Uh, the NFL, Major League Baseball, <laughs> NBA. I don't like somebody talking about that, about <laughs> our sainted organization. We do the right things. That's well, that's part of the problem. The only thing I would say in rebuttal to that, Joe, is 
in it, it to me there needs to be a graduation of punishment based on the number of allegations yes. because that's the whole thing with me with mm-hmm. with Deshaun Watson it wasn't one woman it was two dozen mm-hmm. it was 24 or more women who all said that there was this misconduct happening when they were giving him massages so I that's my only rebuttal to the fact that she chose just the six game suspension because if it was one offense and a six game suspension that's pretty severe if it's two three four ten twelve then you're talking about multiple potential offenses that need to be addressed and I think that's where all sports fail is they they want to put a a, a widget they want to widgetize punishment and I don't think it's possible as a as a devil's advocate here on all of this, I still, you know, the word accused mm-hmm. yes. is still in front of his name. Accused. Yeah. And I don't mean to diminish what anybody says because I don't, I don't believe in victim blaming or oh, any, God, anything no. like that. I no. definitely don't no, believe that. Not at all. But, you know, it seems like there's, we're, we're out of balance and especially in sports, and and, and especially the way that people view or take things to such extremes sometimes when people are accused of things. It's the court of public opinion. Yes, and that's very, very true. And the court mm-hmm. of public opinion can be not fair at times. Guys, I'm not saying that he's this. not guilty. We live in an altogether different judicial <laughs> society now from what it was 20, 25, and 30 years yes, ago. Yes, we do. Not a lawyer, don't have any kind of judicial background at all, but it's obvious oh, yeah. to me from some of the decisions that are handed down by the, the courts that what on earth are these people thinking? And a lot of it is not based on evidence, no. but rather based on how the public thinks right. and Correct. what the outcry is. And that's why I liked what, I didn't like her decision. I thought it should have been more than that. But Judge Robinson made a legitimate mm-hmm. uh, argument to what she was doing when right. she said that. Based on facts. She did. I, uh, I, I liked her explanation of it. I thought I it did was too. very well thought out. And I, I did too. But, you know, this thing drug on and drug on and drug on. It and did. I was just like, can somebody just say X yeah. games, X mm-hmm. money, we're done. Well, here's the last I'll say on this. I still believe this was an inside job from the Texans to villainize him. I'll believe that until my dying day based on the allegations, when they came out, what happened. But I will say this. If you look at the three big sports, basketball, football, and Major League Baseball, if you lock Manfred, Goodell, and Silver in a room for 24 hours— only one person is going to come out of there that still has a voice and can speak, <laughs> and that's Silver. Because I feel they do a good job in the NBA of being fair and impartial. Have to. They have to. Here's Trouble. one other factor, though, that you mm-hmm. have to understand in terms of the NFL and the judge's decision. Two grand juries in Texas denied hearing the case mm-hmm. because of evidence. Exactly. There wasn't enough mm-hmm. I would love it if we didn't talk about grand juries and judges and attorneys in sports. (laughs) We're about 23 minutes away from the start of the pregame show. Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. 
a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We're counting down the minutes to the beginning of the pregame. Dan Israel, Art Haynes, Mitch Holtis, Dana Hughes. It's coming up in 16 minutes. I'm Joe Weston, and the B team's with me and Ned Brinnells. That is Josh Roberts and John Oliver. Talking about football, we're talking about Deshaun Watson, which took up the whole segment. <laughs> Did you watch any other football this last week? Yeah, saw the Chicago Bears play the Seattle Seahawks. Watched a tiny little bit of the Houston Texans and the Los Angeles Rams, which was, was it last night? I believe they played mm-hmm. at uh, out in L.A., uh, so, uh, yes, the answer to your question is a little bit yes. Have you seen anything or seen any stories that have uh, grabbed your attention over the last couple of weeks? No, I think probably just the fact that each team has major decisions to make on who mm-hmm. to, to, to well, just to unload on their ball club right. and, and to turn out on the waiver list. Because that's what happens, you know, when they make these final cuts down from 80 to 53, you're going to have a lot of fairly good players who still have some talent left put on the waiver list. And the judgments that each team has to make, I think, figure into the storylines. Were you surprised that uh, our good friend Aaron Rodgers did not play at all in the first preseason game? No, not at all. Not at all. What, what's to prove? He's he's the man. He's going to be the leader. Got to earn a spot. Jordan Love with Green Bay <laughs> is the heir apparent, and Jordan Love has not proved himself, in my opinion. You know, okay. he played played against the Chiefs last year because, well, whatever the circumstances were, and he didn't do, I thought Green Bay had a great team, but he couldn't lead them to victory, and he's had his troubles with the preseason games as such. So, yeah, I think there's some decisions to make on that team. What about you, John? I'll make my way too early predictions based on what I've seen so far. So I have got a couple of them. I think, you know, I mentioned Justin Fields. I'm really, really impressed by Trey Lance, too. I think that kid has got it figured out this year. He's got weapons. I think he's going to have a really good season. Davis Mills is a guy in Texas that I would definitely keep an eye on if he gets to play. I'm impressed by that. Um, You know, as far as the rest of the NFL, there are a lot of decisions to make. Um, I won't even invoke the name of Mr. Rogers because <laughs> I'm, just did. I'm tired of his neighborhood and living in it. But I think there are going to be some surprise teams this year, just based on personnel. Um, I think Jamison Williams, you know, the the draft pick out of Alabama, I think he's somebody to watch. Roll time. He's looked good. And I think there's a lot of interesting stories out there, especially offensively. Defensively, I haven't seen nearly as many, but there's a lot of offensive stories. I think you're going to see some coming out parties. What about you, Josh? I think it's funny that Aaron Rodgers showed up for training camp looking like Nicholas Cage from Con Air. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, the I spitting that. image, the hair, the the wife beater shirt, everything. Uh, and I I just hope that his horse dewormer holds us. <laughs> well, you try to dress yourself when you're on psychedelics. <laughs> so a couple of teams that have been under the radar, for me at least, I haven't heard a lot mentioned about them when I've watched uh, the the sports talk shows. One is surprising to me, and that, well, actually both surprising. Dallas Cowboys not been talked about a lot. Uh, you know, are they just a non-factor now? Oh, not hardly. Mm-hmm. They, they, they think they're going to be the champion of the National Conference East. Of course, Every everybody knows that the green and white will be. <laughs> and the other team is uh, the uh, AFC champions, the Cincinnati Bengals. Not a lot of talk there either. I don't think there's a lot to change, really, for the Bengals. I mean, they had such a good season. They've got the same personnel. The Cowboys, 
I mean, they've got personnel. It's really based on whether Dak can do it, if Parsons can lead that defense, and if Ezekiel can find some sort of semblance of his former self but in the running game. I can tell you right now, no. Yeah, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that's the key I, I to saw that. a funny meme the other day that since since the last time the Cowboys won a Super Bowl, Jennifer Lopez has more rings, has six <laughs> rings, and they have zero. <laughs> so, you know, they need to recruit her, apparently. Oh, my. Who's, uh, your, team, who's your team to watch, your under-radar team this year, Ned? Is it the Eagles? Ickles? Well, I, they're not flying under the radar. They're a very good football team, and people realize that. You've Jalen Hurts, a quarterback, and you have a great mm-hmm. receiving core. I think they're a legitimate contender to do a lot of damage this year. Again, a lot of it depends on injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rate of attrition in the National Football League is the key level. That's That's the... That's the unforgivable circumstance that you're going to run into that you have no control over. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you have good teams who don't play very well because the injury factor has diminished some of the key players. But mm-hmm. if Philadelphia remains healthy and has a, has a good streak of luck, yeah, luck is a lot to it. I think they're going to be a chief, a chief team involved. I think the Chiefs will be. I think Kansas City will have a very good, solid football team. And the one I'm keeping my eye on is Miami Dolphins mm-hmm. because they loaded up during the offseason. How that works, we saw the Miami baseball team a number of years ago load up with a lot of great players and fall flat on their mm-hmm. rather fat dairy ears. <laughs> Will, is this going to happen with the football team? That's a key. What about you, John? So I know everybody's predicting the Broncos are going to be huge. I'm, I don't like that pick, so I'll just be honest. I think they gave up too much in that trade. I think offensively, Wilson has to have people to throw to. My pick, probably surprise some people. I think the Colts are going to be a nice surprise That's team. who I was going to say. Yeah. I really, uh, so you really stole do. my thunder there. Oh, I'm sorry. But. They, had a great, they had a great running game last year. They did. And now they have a, they have a veteran quarterback mm-hmm. who does not have to do it all. Exactly. And I think that's what and makes them scary. scary on defense. Yeah. Scary. So I Colts, think they'll be good. I agree with you on that. What about you, Josh? Well, Ned kind of stole my thunder because I was thinking the Miami Dolphins because mm-hmm. with Tua and Tyreek Hill, and they were good last year without Hill. He just adds a, a really key piece for them, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, that division, honestly, with Buffalo and New England and Mm-hmm. Was the fourth team the Jets? New York Jets, Jets yeah. yeah, the Jets. Don't worry about them. But those <laughs> other three teams are really solid. So, but yeah, I would watch. I would watch out for the Dolphins this year as yeah. well. Don't sleep on Jalen. You know, it's Waddle. funny we don't talk about the NFC. Who's good in the NFC? <laughs> Is Tampa Bay going to be there again? I don't know. Tough to say. Mm-hmm. I, I, they'll be they'll be there. They'll be a representative, but how far they go, I think, is probably very problematic. But the NFC, it's I'll tell you, there there's some good teams. <laughs> yeah. da- Dallas is going to be good. Yeah, make no mistake about it. Philadelphia, I think, is going to be better. Philadelphia's division with the New York Giants, the Washington Commanders, and the Dallas Cowboys. Come on, that's very winnable. The oh, weakest, sure. weakest division it's in the all weakest of football. It's been yep. for the last three or four years, the weakest yeah. division. That yeah. that NFC West is really the one to watch. Mm-hmm. It and the AFC West are the, just the most competitive divisions in football. So it'll be tough mm-hmm. this year, you know, with uh, the Rams, the champions, coming back. And, of course, San Francisco's in that division. And, um, you know... I don't know. I Pete Carroll. I just don't think you can always count Pete Carroll out. Yeah. <laughs> One, don't forget about your Raiders and the, well, and the Raiders. About, let's not talk about the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> we come back. We'll uh, wrap up the show. We'll do our predictions right here on Ned Talk.
You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. If you're tuning in and going, oh, no, not these guys, well, you just have three and a half minutes to wait (laughs) until the professionals take over, and they'll be doing the pregame show from Arrowhead Stadium today. It will be Mitch Holtis, Dana Hughes, Art Haynes, Dan Israel, as we get set for the Chiefs and the Commanders, that is an actual NFL team, not a USFL team or a barnstorming (laughs) team or anything like that. They will be playing them this afternoon, and I'm excited for the game. We made predictions last week. I was wildly wrong, as usual, which I don't mind being wildly wrong about stuff like that because, you know, it doesn't matter. I think people are way too overwrought about sports in general and, in general, way too overwrought about predictions and just, Mm. you know, it's just sports. It's supposed to be fun. Enjoy it. You know, life's too too short to worry about. The Yankees losing streak. Really, it is, it is quite too short. I love your philosophical approach from a guy who's 30 years younger than I am. For heavens. It does mean something. I'm 25 years. No, I, I mean, but don't, haven't you seen a change in of all course. your years of being a sports fan about how mm-hmm. overwrought it's gotten? Over the last- I'm not going to go so far as to say that, but it is... Yes, the concept of the public. Sports is there as your great escape valve. That's what oh, it's yeah. for. Yeah. That's what it's about. But by the same token, that is how people alleviate their mental pressures that they're uh, undergoing. Mm-hmm. So being overwrought, yeah, you can carry fandom to the point you don't have to get into fist fights over these deals. Right. Heavens no. But you do root for your team, and that allegiance to that team does mean a lot. They have fistfights with fans at, at training camps. It's dumb, okay? It is. All right, we got about two minutes to wrap up the show today. What's your prediction, Ned? What are we okay, going to see? With, what's the score? With the understanding that a game means nothing, final result. <laughs> I do the fact that the Chiefs are going to play their first teams for one half, I think, probably makes a difference. I think Kansas City probably wins this one. I'm going to say Kansas City 30 and the Commanders 14. John, you. Uh, I'm going to give you my steel pipe, ironclad. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that either. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm going to go 21-17. Boom. It's time for Josh's lock of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just want everybody to remember that fan is short for fanatic. Yes. So that should explain something to you about the craziness that people have over their sports. But... Uh, I think this will be Chiefs 21, Commanders 17, because the second half doesn't matter. Chiefs 107, (laughs) Commanders 89. Oh, wait, it's not basketball. Okay. I uh, hear the negative 12. um, I I said a. I said it was going to be a high-scoring game last week. As I said, I was wildly wrong about that. (laughs) So um, 17. 14 commanders. Okay. And there I'm just go. saying that because I think in the the commanders probably have a little more to prove in the second it's half true, of the game. And, and that's the way it happened with Chicago. They're auditioning. But, and, and again, people. if the Chiefs go 0-3, it means zilch, zip. Exactly. All right. The pregame show is getting ready to start. Kick back right here on 104.7 The K.